1: We know that there is constant research going on into cancer, you know, the causes of it and the best ways to treat it. And some of that research is being done, you know, not surprisingly right here at the University of Alberta. Dr. David Wishart is uh, among those researchers doing some of that key work. And some of his latest research suggesting that we need to look at a little bit more than maybe what we have been when it comes to cancer. Dr. Wishart is a professor uh, in the Departments of biology. Sciences and Computing at the University of Alberta. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jaylen. All right, let's, uh, let's start with this. I think a lot of people think that cancer might be only a genetic disease. Is that true?
0: Uh, well, it is. Um, it's a kind of disease. that's um, about five to ten percent of cancers that have run in the family, or what we call are heritable. Um, but most cancers are actually acquired. Um, so these are things that, that uh, accumulate over time. In some cases, they're genetic insults or kinet- um, chemical insults that lead to um, to cancer. So in most respects, we call it an acquired disease, uh, not something that really runs in families.
1: So that would be kind of the environmental side of it, what you're exposed to maybe, like smoking, secondhand smoke, alcohol, that sort of thing?
0: Exactly, yeah. Smoking being the number one cause of cancer. Certainly alcohol contributes. Um, Viruses and bacteria also contribute to uh, cancer. Um, Obesity, um, Mm -hmm. diabetes all increase a person's risk. um, so there's quite a number of, of things that we're cer- certainly aware of but there are others that uh, we're starting to become aware of more and more and these account for about 95 percent of all cancers
1: Nine, okay so and we're just becoming aware of them now if they' are 95 percent
0: that's right because I think for a long time the view was that that up to half of cancers were just sort of genetic that they ran in families um, and so that kind of made the, I think the perspective that cancer cancer was sort of inevitable. Um, The fact is that, no, um, the studies that we're seeing and and the studies that are being published, Studies that we're doing really indicate that that the vast majority of cancers are actually due to these external causes, and that makes it much more controllable, uh, much more preventable, and it also points to some ways of even treating it better.
1: So you touched. So we've touched on the genetic side, and, the, and then the environmental side of it as well. And part of your research is focusing in now on cancer as a metabolic disease. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, that's something that's been newly emerging over about the last 10 years. Uh, We've been doing some work. Other studies around the world have been looking into it. Um, historically actually cancer was thought as a metabolic disease up until about the 1970s Uh, and then there was kind of a shift to cancer is all genetic and then sort of a reawakening over the last uh, five or ten years that that cancer is and actually more of a metabolic disorder just like diabetes is a metabolic disorder Um, and in the case of diabetes uh, it's all about sugar balance and in the case of cancer it actually also is about sugar Um, Cancers need huge amounts of sugar to stay alive. Um, and, and I think what we're realizing is that there are certain types of fuels that cancer need to keep going. Um, just like with cars, um, there's either electric cars or gas cars and, and, and diesel uh, engines or diesel cars. Um, cancer basically boils down to just having about three or four different types of fuel that it needs. Um, genetically, um, we can characterize cancers and there might be hundreds, even thousands of different types of cancers, but just like there's hundreds or thousands of different car models on the street. Um, but when it comes down to what powers those cars, it's the same thing. It's either gas, electric or diesel. And in cancer, it's either glucose or an amino acid called glutamine, um, which is something we get in most of our foods. Yeah. Um, or things like uh, choline and folate, which are another couple of molecules that are also found in our food, but seem to basically serve as the power to fuel cancer. Um, there's also other things that cancer cells produce um, quite naturally to make them thrive. And one of the things they tend to do is they produce a lot of acid. Uh, and that acid is one of the reasons that leads to cancer spreading. So if we can control some of the acidity or cut back on the the glucose or glutamine that's fueling these cancers, um, it's been shown to actually reduce them, both preventing them and in some cases even treating them.
1: So that's, yeah, that's where I was going to go next with this, Dr. Wishart then. So if you like the glucose, the sugars, the glutamine, the the folates, how can we use this information now as a, first off, as a preventative uh to you know prevention from getting cancer i mean staying away from all of that stuff well
0: arguably that's not a bad idea but it's (laughs) sugar um... it's it's yummy (laughs) yeah exactly no i i mean i think uh more ills have probably come from sugar than we realize um but it's it's the case where um you know everything in moderation so it's certainly fine to be able to 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 eat uh sweets it's fine to be able to eat um vegetables or, or meat um, but when it comes to trying to treat the disease um, yeah I think there are cases for instance a, a diet called the ketogenic diet mm-hmm. uh, which really basically cuts out all sugar has been shown to be quite effective in um, helping treat things like glioblastoma or brain cancer uh, it's also seen to have some positive effect in other types of cancers as well um, huh. so those um, antifolates are other examples of drugs that are used in cancer. In fact, cancer medications up until about the 1960s were called antimetabolites. Mm-hmm. So the chemotherapy that we even use today is still technically an antimetabolite, meaning it it, it counters the metabolites that we, huh. we would need or what the cancer needs.
1: So, is, is that, what, I'm sorry, just to pause you there, like an antimetabolite then, would that would that? Be one of the reasons why maybe during uh, treatment people lose their appetite.
0: Well, it, it's it's a few different things. Um, I mean, uh, often with uh, chemotherapies, um, the chemotherapies uh, attack rapidly dividing cells, and so that leads to um, the cell lining around the stomach and the intestine mm-hmm. uh, getting damaged, and so that makes it uncomfortable to eat, and that's partly why you lose your appetite. Um, but I, I think. What it sort of highlights is that there are things that are um, chemotherapies that are quite toxic or noxious, um, but there are other ones that are potentially much more mild. And and this is why we're sort of pushing this idea about thinking about the fuels that Mm. that keep cancer going. If you can cut back on those fuels... Um, that helps reduce it, whereas the current chemotherapies try and kill the cells, um, hmm. and that's a little more um, toxic, I guess.
1: Uh, fascinating stuff, doctor. So where where do you where do you take this from here? What happens now with this research?
0: I think what what we're realizing is that that to to battle cancer, there's one prevention and two treatment. So prevention are, are trying to avoid the things that we now know cause so much about cancer. And we just didn't realize how much these things actually impacted us, just how much alcohol or smoking or air pollution or certain types of viruses actually lead to cancer. So those are things that that we need to be much more diligent about and and preventive medicine and public health perspective. But then when it comes to treatment, I think that we have to look at both combination therapy where we're using uh, not only the standard chemotherapies and radiotherapies we've traditionally used, but also look at metabolic therapies, um, which might be more gentle and in some cases even more effective to help as adjuncts to treating uh, uh, cancer.
1: Wow. You know what? I've uh, come a, a long way, but it's amazing that uh, the, re- the the research that is still going on and, and how much further we still have to go uh, on this front when it comes to knowing about cancer, learning about it and, and treating it. And I'm always amazed. Uh, well, I'm not amazed. I've done enough stories here now uh, over my 20 years of being in the city of the incredible research that's being done right here in Alberta, right here in Edmonton. You're a part of it.
0: Absolutely. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well, you know what? I want to thank you for your insight uh, on on this this afternoon. I look forward to uh, chatting with you again. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jaylen. Yeah, take care. Dr. David Wishart joining us, suggesting uh, some new research that he's been doing, suggesting that we have to look more at... Some of the metabolic side of of cancer when it comes to prevention, number one. Number two, treatment. And uh, maybe that this latest research that's being done right here at the U of A could help uh, find better and maybe more gentler treatment in the months and years to come.